Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I have an important announcement for our listeners. Yes, sir. Hit me with it. And you, maybe. I've been contacted, requested for comments for uh, for a feature article about lefty baseball podcasts in the New Yorker. Oh... Uh... I didn't know you were going to go down this route. but I love watching the life go out of you when I make a joke that you just don't feel like engaging with. I know. That's I'm one of my like, favorite feelings as a co-host. Oh, God. Are we going to like have a dirtbag left conversation on here? Like I wasn't meant to be prepared for that. It's Which one of us is like... dirtbaggier? <laughs> um, Tipping pitches hosts ranked by dirtbagginess. Go. <laughs> yeah right well i probably Power got out rank of, us i probably got out of bed later than you even normalized for time zones i probably still got out of bed later than you normalized so for time zones <laughs> time w time zones plus like bro i was up at 6 30 this morning so i think you did get out of bed later than me wow yeah i mean you probably could have got a, got out of bed at a normal time and we still would have been there but uh no we're not gonna have that conversation and nor are we ever gonna mention the new yorker ever again on this podcast nope. hopefully uh, what we are going to do, however, is we're going to have an entire episode about hats. That's right. Fitted caps. We spent an entire episode talking with uh, two guys who are more so members of the hat community than you and I are, Alex. Um, it's Benjamin Christensen, who works for Hat Club, and James Hollis, who considers himself a newfound collector of hats since the pandemic. And, you know, the reason we wanted to do this is because hats have been a bit of a conversation point over the last few months on Twitter, specifically the new era caps and some of the gaudier designs that are sort of shocking to the eye of the average baseball fan who is like, I bought bought my team's hat and then I never bought a hat again, never thought about it again. Um, And we wanted to understand that. We wanted to understand what need new era was trying to fulfill. And I'm not sure that we totally got the exact answer. Um, but what we did get is a, is a greater understanding of why this has been a trend in the last couple of years. And really just like what the hat community is. Yeah, I really... Both of these guys brought some really interesting perspectives on either side of the, the conversation, on either side of the aisle. One who who works in the industry and kind of has knowledge of 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 how these things bubble up from the ground up and where these designs come from. And one as an outside collector, as just an amateur hat collector who is interested in the style and interested in the fashion of things. And but neither you nor I are are that deeply embedded into the the hat community. I mean, we just kind of, you know, throw on our floppy A's or Mets hat and just go to the game. And that's that's the hat. And there's a real irony in us uh, putting out this podcast the, the very same week that, that we released our own cap. It's not a fitted cap. Just and a dark, dark irony. Dark. When you factor in the sad fact that we made a typo 
on that design, Alex. <laughs> well, you didn't you didn't have to to spill it to the listeners. We're reliving this the trauma. Okay. Um if you listened to last week's episode and you rushed to the tipping pitches store at two PM Eastern time. I still don't remember if it was Eastern Daylight Time or Eastern Standard Time. One of our listeners was nice enough to tell us, and I've already forgotten. Um, you did not find a hat, unless you were the one person who ordered a hat before we realized that there was a mistake on the hat. Um, that is because we just made a small mistake. You know, Mistakes happen. We are fallible. And we have since corrected that. The hats are back up, so if you went and you bought a shirt um, and you also wanted the hat, my apologies, but head back to the store if you have not seen the hat design. It is really cool. Alex did do a really good job. Unfortunately, it is a dad hat, which makes us fucking washed in this mm-hmm. conversation, in this episode. Like Everybody was sh- throwing shade at dad hats the entire, the entire podcast. Yeah, I didn't really have the heart to bring up the fact that we just released our own dad hat, but Listen, that's okay. We're not members of the fitted cap community. That's okay. What we are is people who didn't do our hair on some days and need something to put on our head. <laughs> and there are plenty of us out there. You know that? There are plenty of us. There are dozens of us. Yes, 100%. So we, these were really great conversations, obviously spurred by the multitude of times over the last year in which new era caps dropped Baseball Twitter flamed them. In certain cases, the hats were pulled due to the overwhelming negative reaction. But we were curious, who's buying these hats? What's the market for this sort of thing? And maybe, as baseball fans, are we actually behind the curve? Because it turns out, (laughs) yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) The answer is yes. (laughs) Okay, Alex, we're going to go to our conversation with Benjamin Christensen who is a community events and engagement manager for Hat Club. But I wanted to give a quick disclaimer first that this podcast was recorded a week in advance. So before you start listening to the rest of this episode, if we haven't brought up the fact that insert all-star player here got traded to the Mets, that's why. Just go to my Twitter for those reactions. Um, Our apologies, but Alex and I are traveling the week that this podcast is coming out. So this was recorded on July 26th. Um, let's go to that conversation but first I am Bobby Wagner I am Alex Baisley and you are listening to Tipping Pitches All right, Bobby we are joined by the one and only A's Twitter legend Benjamin Christensen he's a he's a community events an engagement manager for uh, for Hat Club, and uh, and I think he's also just known uh, known on baseball Twitter as the the the, the tatted up huge Ace fan. I think I am correct me, Benjamin. Am I wrong in that? No, you're you're t- you're totally 100 percent right on that one. <laughs> thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we've been wanting for a little while to do an episode about hats and the you know the discourse 
that has unfolded over the last year around them, especially on baseball Twitter, which can be an absolute minefield to uh I wake up to, to this navigate. like I live on the West Coast, Alex lives on the East Coast, and I wake up to it and we're already at like forty percent of the way through the discourse by the time we wake up. I don't know, Benjamin, if you live on the West Coast or not, but you know, it every time I wake up it's like here's seventeen designs that people are just whining about. So we're here to kind of sift through some of that stuff. Oh no, it's great. I I I I'm an Oakland native. Uh and so much, much like you, I mean, when I when I wake up every morning, and it's usually between like six and seven AM, and I jump on Twitter and it's just like somehow I'm twenty percent behind on the discussion <laughs> that's going on. And since, you know, all my work is, you know, revolving around hats, and it's just like, oh my God, I I, I feel like I'm behind already. I gotta I gotta really jump into this and and throw some uh, throw some education behind it for everybody. So, some people wake up to like they're behind on emails, and you wake up like you're behind people's <laughs> takes about new era. <laughs> it's 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 a blessing and a curse every every single morning. <laughs> well, we so as, as I mentioned, you um, you your your day job is with Hat Club. Which is, I mean, actually, I'm not even gonna, going to uh, to try and describe it. I will, I will let you do that. Can you talk a bit about uh, your your role with Hat Club? How you got involved with them? Oh, absolutely. So I've been with Hat Club since 2014, and I originally started as a assistant manager at one of our stores in Daly City, so South San Francisco area. Uh, 2015 is the uh, the point in time when the uh, the owners and the the front office basically for Hat Club, you know, came to me and they're like. Hey, you seem to be pretty good with Twitter. Do you wanna do you wanna run our, our Twitter account? And so we had a brief meeting about that as far as okay, what direction do you want me to go with this? And there's like, ah, oh, you just go ahead and figure it out on your own. I'm like, <laughs> okay. The best instructions. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, and 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 going back to the blessing and a curse, I mean, it was it was a struggle for the first couple of years as far as you know, trying to find our voice just because you know, as chatty as I am through my personal account and as colorful as I can be on my personal account, trying to find that middle ground of engagement, but also, you know, throw a little bit of, you know, myself into it as well, because, you know, there has to be some kind of anonymity behind it. And because most social media managers, you know, don't come out, don't use I, uh, don't talk in the first person, basically. And, you know, for the first couple of years, I didn't. Um, a couple of people in the hack community kind of knew who I was um, as far as like the person that was running that. But then over like the last year and a half is as hack club, like really came onto the map as far as being a staple in hack culture, everybody kind of realized like, Oh, Hey, I know Benjamin, you know? It's, and so it, it's much less about, you know, on interactions on a daily basis, people just being like, Hey, hack club or whatever. It's literally, people throwing my name into every single tweet because they know I'm the one behind it. And so it's like, all right, well, you know, I guess, I guess the, you know, the wizard is no longer behind the backstage door, you know, doing this. It's just like, I'm out in the open on stage. And so um, that, that was an interesting transition over there, over that last time period. Alex, do you feel like you're a wizard when you man the tipping pitches, Twitter <laughs> handle, or do you just sort of feel like I kind of do? Yes. There's a, I there's mean, a power we, there, right? There yeah. is. And oftentimes really? people people aren't necessarily because we share the, you know, the login duties, there's a bit more of a mystique um but behind our Twitter account, I think, sometimes. Unless we're tweeting. I'm gonna start about the, trying to catch people into thinking that yeah. it's a take from you. I'm just gonna yeah. start trying to like throw in <laughs> random Oakland references. 
<laughs> so we, you know, we want to kind of get into um, the, uh, you know, Hat Club's role in in hat culture, um, yeah. and all that stuff. But I, you know, before we dive completely into that, I am curious, kind of your your background as it as it comes to to hats. Our, our listeners are are not able to see the glorious uh, wall of fame <laughs> behind you that has must be more than a hundred. Uh, hats just lining your wall. 143 on the on the nose behind me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's only that's only like ten percent of my actual collection. So, so uh, so you're a little dedicated to this, one <laughs> might say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what um what drew you to to kind of caps in the in the first place? Can you trace that history for us? Yeah. So uh, my first job in baseball goes back to 1999, 2000. I was the bad boy for the you know now defunct Bakersfield Blaze of the California League. So the first right, fitted yeah. hat that I ever scooped up was the old you know 1995 through 2000 Bakersfield Blaze hat. Uh, they were a Giants affiliate at the time, so the next hat I got was the Giants, and then I started kind of like moving into other teams just because hey, you know I kind I kind of like fitted hats. I was 16, 17 years old at the time. So I picked up a, you know, old 80s, early 70s Phillies hat, uh, the 1969 through 1991 Pinwheel Montreal Expos hat. And so that was kind of the core of my collection for like a number of years. Every now and then I'd pick something up new. Um, 2000, I moved up to Pacific Northwest. I finished high school in Vancouver, Washington. And at that point, I had gotten on with another company called Just Sports. Uh, which previously was called Pro Image. So built my hat collection a little bit there. Um, then I worked for Copeland Sports, if anybody actually remembers that. That's predominantly going to be a West Coast-based operation on that one. Um, and then after that, went back to Just Sports, built my hat collection up a little bit more. So I was probably at a solid, yeah, like 30 or 40. By the time 2007 rolled around, I enrolled at the University of Oregon uh, to start my journalism program there. And then it really was like 2010 where I kind of woke up one day and just looked at, you know, the few hats that I had. And it's like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I owned like at least one of every major league team, just because of I'm a dedicated, devout baseball fan. Yeah, I'm an A's fan. But at the end of the day, it's like I just prefer baseball really more than anything as a whole. So I did that. I uh, got through all 30 teams, grabbed a couple of the old school umpire hats. And then, and then same thing. I had a moment of reflection again. And it's just like, you know, screw it. How about if I just get every single on-field hat that's ever been played in Major League Baseball history? And that's when it exploded. That's a jump. That's a jump right there. It was a huge jump. Um, But it was funny because, you know, I I did that. 2011, I started getting all my Major League Baseball tattoos that, you know, a lot of people, at least on on Twitter, have come to know me for. Um, And then that platooned me into a job with Major League Baseball at the now defunct MLB Fan Cave in 2012. So never in my life would have thought like, oh, yeah, collecting hats and getting baseball tattoos would land me a pretty sweet gig. Um, And then when that came to an end, I went back to school, you know, finished up my last term. I started a, a baseball hat blog explaining the history of every single hat that I own. Uh, you know, stats and jersey numbers that I, I used to write on my hats. I haven't done that so much over the last few years, but just kind of give my own personal story behind each and every hat. Because at the end of the day, I mean, what I always kind of go back to that as far as like why I had such an affinity for hats was it 
to me, it's, it's a wearable piece of art. I mean, yeah, it, it really describes, you know, the character of the person based on the logo, based on the city that the hat represents. But, you know, more importantly, it's one of those pieces of clothing that can really tie an outfit together. And it sends more of a message of that person's dynamic, that person's attitude. And so that's why I've always kind of stuck with hats. I love the way you put that. It's a wearable piece of art. And I think that I, I'd like to kind of start there and focus it a little bit on baseball and some of the caps that have been coming out recently and the discourse around them and kind of why you're here to talk about it. Because I think that, you know, we're as guilty as anyone of seeing a hat that we just see scrolling through on a timeline and not envisioning how it might fit into a larger collection or how it might fit into a larger trend in the hat community. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of break down this discourse cycle that we keep alluding to that I think our <laughs> listeners know and I think that you know. But what what is like the one thing that as external looking in members of the hat community, we're, we're not, Alex and I are not, we, we like baseball caps just as much as the next guy, but I would describe yeah. us as like dudes wearing dad hats to baseball games. Like we don't have a greater <laughs> understanding of the fitted caps and snapback caps and things like that. Um, what is like the biggest thing that the people who are kind of getting on Twitter and griping about these hats and these designs and and how kind of like over the top some of them seem to us, knowing just the mm-hmm. regular design of baseball caps. Uh, w- what is the biggest thing we don't understand about that? Uh, I mean, okay, I'll I'll flat out admit, like there there are some pretty god awful baseball hats out there. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not going to beat around the bush on that one. But you know, everything in life, you know, especially when it comes to something that we see on a regular basis, when it, uh, clothing, especially shoes jerseys t-shirts whatever um you know it's an evolutionary process it's all it's all done by experimentation and for a lot of the designs and i'll i'll kind of go more specifically about the one that really you know the the two more specifically that were the kind of the tipping point for i know our conversation uh there was that you know team scripts uh in the old english with the weird with the the team logo that was in the backdrop a couple weeks ago i talked with fan graphs about that one and then most recently, there's the Oakland A's one, black and silver, baby blue underbill, which the baby blue underbill was like, the weir- in my opinion, the weirdest part of that, that design. Um, but then they threw the, you know, the, the graphic of the Golden Gate Bridge on the front, which made absolutely no sense. And then on the back, um, a lot of people asked me about that because, you know, there was, there was a drink. Um, and I, on the hat club account, I got, I went through that and I'm like, well, it's kind of interesting that the most factual part about this hat is the drink on the back, because I think it was supposed to be a Mai Tai, which was invented in Emeryville, which is just South of Oakland at Trader Vic's. But if you look at the graphic, it looks like an, a whiskey sour. So it's like, all right, somehow they managed to bumble that <laughs> they were on a, a decent path with this. Um, but in, in that you know, grand scheme of things, it's like I look at it, I'm like, I don't know who the hell thought this was a good idea. Um, and so, you know, me working in the hat industry, it's like there, there are a lot of, lot of things that we put out that at first, even I look at it and it's like, okay, I don't get this, but I'm curious like how the market is really going to respond to it. And the first thing I go back with Hat Club that really kind of kicked things into gear for us was... 2019, we started putting pink underbills on hats. And that was a creation between two guys. Uh, Frosty Preem is his stage name. And Justin Farnham, who uh, used to run the New York store, but now he's one of our lead designers. The two of them collaborated, put that on. Uh, specifically, it was a 1996 World Series Yankees hat. So just a straight navy blue, white logo, 96 World Series patch on the side. But a pink underbill. 
because uh, it was a personal connection for Frosty because his mother had passed away uh, due to breast cancer. And then the 96 back patch specifically because he was born in 96. So that was the first experimental run for that. And, you know, the day they dropped it, boom, sell out immediately. So it's like, okay, what's the next step we take from there? And they started incorporating more teams. And then it became different underbill color logos. And then, you know, as, as time kind of progressed, we go into COVID, but even a little bit before that, Justin started experimenting with some other colors like, oh, hey, an all dark green hat with a pink underbill. What are we going to call it? Oh, green eggs and ham. So I, I think there's a lot of intelligence that goes behind a lot of these hats, just, but as long as you can tell a story behind it, as opposed to just, oh, hey, we're just screwing around with these colors. Let's just see how this works, which a lot of other companies end up doing. They're really poor at storytelling, which is what, you know, the one thing I'm really blessed about working for Hacklow about, because we don't really take a lot of heat for that. As weird as some of our hats may seem to, you know, people who aren't like, you know, really well versed in the hat game. And then you go into these last couple of weeks and it's like all these other designs that are coming out because you know, oh, hey, let's find some logos that connect with these cities and experiment with these different typefaces and stuff. And so, you know, the execution isn't as fluent as it may seem in the designer's brain. Yeah, I think that's really great context to these conversations. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, it it seemed like there, I, I drew out a bit of a distinction in some of the hats that are that are out there, right? Because there are these, like you say, like brands that are, you know, independent of new era, but purveyors yeah. of, of fitted caps like Hat Club. Um, and there are plenty of uh, other stores around New York, around the country that do the same thing, right? And it seems oh, like new, new era has has opened up a lane for designers to actually partner, right? And get access yeah. to whether it's color schemes or patches or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they are allowing independent designers to to come in and tell that story right whereas yeah. it it seems like and i could have the uh, you know the incorrect read on this but these new era hats are presumably you know done in house where that's a you know it's just a new era designers conversation saying hey what can we you know what else can we put out there is that is that a is that a fair distinction that i'm making yeah i would say you're 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 probably about 75% of the way there um, I think there's one thing that I, I, I forgot to mention in regard to this. And so, you know, sticking with like all these like random patches and stuff. So, you know, the, the key point that a lot of other, you know, shops in New York and across the country, so your lids, your sports worlds and stuff like that, we all have an account with New Era. So, you know, there's a licensing a contract that we all have to sign. And it's really whether or not, you know, lo- New Era has the licensing rights to do a lot of these things that we kind of want to do. We have to get team permission to anytime we distort colors and stuff like that. So there, there is a chain of command that kind of comes with that. But at the same time, there are, you know, these other artists who will buy all these new era hats. They don't necessarily have an account with new era. Like they'll just buy, you know, like on field hats or, you know, just basic pink under, you know, whatever from all these other stores. And then they'll kind of sew on their own little specific designs. So going back to that old English, you know, tight face across the front with the logo, there's been a number of artists over the last few years who have done that. And, you know, they'll, they'll end up selling them for like a hundred bucks each, because aside from the fact that they're paying, you know, 35, 40 bucks for the hat themselves, 
maybe they're getting a wholesale discount, but you know, that's, that's whatever. Um, but because they're adding their own touches to it, um, that's where they add the, the, the value onto it. And so that's why they, the, you know, the hats go for as much as they do. So new era will kind of look at these things that all these other artists are basically doing to their own product. And it's like, Hey, yes, we're making money off the hats that were sold to this particular artist who then decided to do their own thing to it. But why cut out the middleman when we can do the exact same thing? Because new era owns the rights. They own the licensing deals with these things. So if they have their own in-house artist staff who can just basically replicate exactly what all these other artists are doing, it's like, shoot, let's, let's do it. And, you know, we at Hack Club, and I'm not really trying to like hype up Hack Club as much as I, it seems like I am, but it's just, we look at that kind of stuff and, you know, we'll steer away from it to an extent because, you know, those are design and artist ideas that, you know, weren't put together by us. We don't want to go out there and just like steal other people's ideas. Some other places kind of do, but you know, that's, that's their own thing. I'm not going to hate on them for it, but you know, new era, you know, being their own brand, it's like they, they have to, you know, make their money the way that they can. And so, like I said, if they're kind of, kind of cut out the middleman in the whole process, process of this, sorry, and just kind of do it in-house themselves. then of course they will, because they have the right to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Can you help me understand the hat market? As you describe it, like a hat goes up and then it immediately becomes a hot commodity. What? Well, two things. Number one, what do you think makes a hat sell out instantly to like a lot of other people? And then the second yeah. thing for you personally, what makes a hat an instant buy? Oh, man. All right. Yeah, because that's going to go night and day on that one. So <laughs> as far as when a hat goes up. So I'll just kind of go based on the last year and a half as far as like the trends that I'm seeing. Um it's really become less about the team and more about logos that are being used. So, cause for years and years and years, like the New York Yankees NY hat in any capacity is the best selling hat of all time. Mm-hmm. But as we found in all these different color schemes that we've been putting together and using different patches and using different logos, the interesting thing is that in a lot of cases for a lot of teams, the alternate logo, not so much the primary logo is what sells better. So by that, I mean, we'll take the Chicago Cubs, Detroit Tigers, and what's another one? I'll, I'll stick with those two because it's easier to do. So, you know, for years and years and years, the majority of Detroit Tigers hats that we're coming out are just going to be, you know, D logo. Yeah, maybe in a different color. Yeah, it's going to have a different patch, whatever. But then there's a whole cycle of different logos that the Tigers have had historically, uh, whether it's the, you know, 19... 80s tiger head just the head where it looks like it's screaming the eyes wide open i call that the tripping ball tiger because it looks like it's tripping on lsd <laughs> um and then my personal favorite the 1967 alternate which is the swinging tiger which i nine years ago my best friend in detroit jay Tui and i dubbed it the coked out tiger and somehow seems to be a theme here off the name what's that <laughs> seems to be a theme here benjamin it, it really is yeah and it's just <laughs> I mean, not, not to say that, you know, we're huge drug addicts or anything like that, which we're not, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's, it's that weird incorporation of like all these little things in pop culture that kind of come together. And for me personally, as far as like why we kind of came up with those names is let's look at historically at baseball and all these weird moments, like the 1980s cocaine trials, Doc Ellis throwing a no hitter on LSD, 
Like there have always been these components of baseball that, you know, aren't talked about in pop culture the way that I would like to. I mean, these were all things I talked about in my blog, you know, 2013, 2014. So throwing these kind of names together and just kind of like cramming it out into the, um, the populace of the hat world. Like to me, that's been interesting. And, and seeing how these dumb little names that my friend and I kind of created have, you know, really taken off. Um, so that's, that's one part of it. And so, um, anytime we do a drop, like I already know in advance, it's like, okay, if we're dropping 17 hats. So like yesterday we did, we, uh, the, the hats we dropped are called the mint condition. So it's like a, a mint blue black bill, kind of a black, white metallic gold, you know, logo on the front gray under bill. Um, the Cubs, we had the old sleeve patch uh, logo from uh, the Ryan Sandberg era, which is just a little bare face. Anything we make with that logo, instant sellout. Um, the White Sox from the 1970s with the little batter logo that kind of looks like the MLB logo. Everybody loves that instant sellout. But then you have all these other mixture of other teams that we're still using primary logos for. Yeah, they'll move quick, you know, because it's, you know, fans of the team that are buying them. And so there's always going to be that component of it. Um, but then it more importantly, just because, you know, like Supreme, like sneaker culture, hat club for whatever reason. And once again, I'm not hating on it. I'm still trying to wrap my head around a lot of it is, is what's in. And so, you know, just throwing the hat club name on anything. And so it becomes a combination of, you know, obviously hat fans who want to wear and buy these. Uh, then you're going to have the resellers. And then we also have dudes that are using bots because for the same purpose of just buying it just so they can flip it for more money. So somehow the hack club name in itself has gained more value because of that. And so, you know, a lot of other companies are kind of seeing very similar trends with that as far as the hats they're coming out with as well. But I still don't think it's up to the capacity that hack club is doing. So that was just question one. <laughs> Question number two, as far as the way I see it, I'm still kind of confused by it most times because like, I don't buy every single hat that we drop. I still have you know, my favorite logos that we use, my favorite teams. Um, I don't necessarily go out and buy every single A's hat, even though that's kind of what I used to do. Um, but for me, because you know, every single day, I'm usually wearing like an old champion NBA jersey. I'm going more based on, okay, what can I match with this in my okay. day-to-day wear? Yeah. So um, if, yeah, for since, since we're not on video, technically I'm wearing a Vancouver Grizzly jersey, which actually does match perfectly with that color combination that we dropped on Saturday. Um, I, I end up buying the White Sox one just because I like that logo a little bit better. And that's, of course, the White Sox logo I have tattooed on me. So it's like, oh yeah, there's perfect combination going on right there. Um. But yeah, every every drop we do, there, there's like two or three in the mix where it's like, I really like that. Um, but I don't necessarily go out and buy every single one just because I'm for one that still adheres to, I'd rather other people eat first rather than myself. If the hat craze is still going to continue going, I'd rather other people take advantage of this, get what they want before I serve myself. So, I mean, you you say you say if the, if the hat craze kind of keeps going and i'm i'm kind of curious what you see as the coming down the road in you know fitted cap culture right because i mean i mean it has this is a a culture that has existed for a long time but as you alluded to it's really taken off in the last couple years so is it just 
having its moment in the sun? Or do you see it really carving out a corner in the culture similar to, you know, sneakers? I think this is going to be going for a few more years. Um, This was something I kind of predicted was going to happen back in 2000. Like the prediction I made was in 2017. But the way I visually saw it, it was going to happen. I thought it was really going to take off in 2019, which it, which it kind of did. But I would still say, you know, COVID for 2020 is when it really exploded. Um, and so what I go back for on that is 2017, we were still in the dad hat craze. We were still coming off like the snapback craze because as everything, you know, kind of happens within the fashion world, it always comes in cycles. Um, the nineties were really revving up. And for a lot of us who, like I was born in 83. So I remember the early nineties of, you know, people really starting to get into fitted hats at that point in time. Um, you know, hip hop culture was kind of taken over with it. It wasn't necessarily driven just based on baseball. It's movies and music and art and all these other little components that kind of, you know, drive into it. Uh, the one quote that I always give to a lot of people in regard to, you know, how much outside of baseball culture is really shaped hat buying is uh, the Jay-Z song, Empire State of Mind. And there's the line, I can make a Yankee cat more famous than a Yankee can. And it's really true because as, you know, we in the United States just kind of look at this, baseball is a top three sport for us. And so baseball fashion is always just kind of in the minds of everybody. But if you look at outside of this country and see, you know, Japan and Mexico and even, you know, bits and pieces of Europe and dudes and, and, and women are wearing Yankees and Red Sox hats. They're not necessarily fans of the team, but it's just, no, it's, it's a piece of American iconography that I can wear and really, you know, show off like, Hey, this is a piece of fashion. This isn't necessarily just a piece of athletic equipment anymore. So, you know, as as things kind of evolved from there, um, I, I don't see, you know, fitted hats necessarily slowing down at least for a few years, but then, you know, kind of looking into it and it's like, okay, what are we going to transition back into? And I'm not hating on snapbacks or dad hats, but I just feel like there is like, they kind of had their moment in the sun, but fitted hats have been around since, you know, realistically since the 1940s and before, as far as 1970s more specifically as far as you know people being able to buy them and this goes back to the old sporting news ads that newer used to run back in the day and so um because of the fact that you know fashionably we can do all these different colors we can do all these different colored underbills and all these components that can match up with sneaker culture which is still hot and that's going to stay hot for a while i think you know, I'm not saying that baseball hats necessarily are going to catch up to the level of sneakers, but it's going to be pretty close. Okay. Benjamin, final question for you. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best? Well, I guess there's no way to, for you to answer this unbiased because you're such a big A's fan. But what are oh, yeah. some of your favorite MLB on-field cap designs? Of like, all who time? is doing it the best? Of all time, sure. And then also currently. I mean, all time, the number one is always going to be the 1969 to 1991 Montreal Expos. Um, I, I mean, and it's it's a landslide on that one. <laughs> um, it, the, the funny thing that always goes back for me and the Yankees is, you know, just the history behind the logo itself. Like, I, I understand the iconography behind it. But then for me, my brain always reverts back to who actually created the classic NY logo. 
And that was the jewelry company, Tiffany Brand and Company, or Tiffany and Company, um, because it had to do with the first ever New York police officer that was killed in the line of duty by a gun. Uh, Tiffany and Company had made a pendant and then used the NY on the gravestone as well. The Yankees liked it so much. And so it kind of transitioned from there. Yeah, there's been some evolutionary detail, you know, differences over the years for that. But to me, as a baseball guy, it's like, it's not so much the Yankees as, hey, it's this thing the Yankees kind of borrowed from, from this jewelry company. And that's not to put them down at all. Um, so, but going forward from that, as far as like my personal favorites, um, Oakland A's Road Hat from 1993 to 2000, or 1994 to 2013. So all dark green, yellow A's logo. I'm still mad that they got rid of that one in favor of the white logo with the yellow outline that they wear on the road these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else we got here? You know, I, I dig the Mets, but at the same time, it's like, not nah, same thing. It goes, it goes back to the New York giants before they moved to San Francisco. So they were a bunch of biters and took a really great logo and, and ran with it. Um, Milwaukee Brewers, you know, the, the ball and mitt logo, the MB, classic logo and you know aside from that it's just a stunning representation of visual advertising when that was introduced in the 1970s and i still say as far as sports logos of all time in the creativity department top three for sure yeah anytime they get creative with the letters and use it to create something more than that and actually a a feeling um yeah i have no pun intended but you know hats off to them Um, (laughs) God, <laughs> boo! Yeah, boo. We'll have to do it. We'll cut the line there. I That's knew our- it was coming, but it's still funny <laughs> every time. Uh, that is our that is our uh, sign to end this conversation here. Benjamin Christensen, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find your musings, opinions about baseball hats and other things? Uh, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, my personal account is Shaka Brody. S H A K A B R O D I E. And then I run the the Hat Club Twitter account, so H-A-T-C-L-U-B. I'm on there basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, No off days for this guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you heard it, listeners. You can go in Sunday night. Say, Benjamin, I need need your advice right now. Hit him (laughs) on the Hat Club line. He will answer. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks, gentlemen. Hey, Bobby, we are joined now by the one and only James Hollis, the the owner of um, a, a, a top 10 Twitter handle, Snotty Drippin, <laughs> over over on Twitter. And he's a, he's a former basketball blogger and a general hat fitted cap aficionado. James, how's it going? Dun, 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 dun. I want to hear like a little beat come in. Like Wonder Woman, every time they saw Wonder Woman in the movies, I they had the music behind her. I was waiting for the music to show up, but I guess you guys aren't that well produced yet. No, so that's post that's post production, James. That's Come on, post- oh, put some damn. respect on my post production creds. My bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I um I I cannot believe that that uh we are, you know, meeting you and having this conversation and somehow not introducing 
you as a as a part of basketball Twitter lore as the um, <laughs> as as one half of me, me and Temecula. But here we are. We're going to talk about fucking baseball hats instead. You know, I didn't know you knew about that. I was going to bring it up on air, but you already beat me to the punch. I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say you have to Google Temecula James Holis and see what comes up. But uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, to all of our listeners, please, if you don't know, now you know. Please Google. Yeah, it's James last name is H. Yeah, H-O-L-A-S and then Temecula. And you'll see something from like 2012, I think. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks you for making some time for us. Um, we, you know, you are are someone who I as I understand it are a bit of an, an amateur hat collector, but this is the this is a passion of yours and you you know, have an Instagram account dedicated to it and you you tweet about it a lot. Can you can you tell us a bit about your your background and why, why like the fitted cap scene called to you so much? Um, honestly, uh, during the pandemic, it really kind of caught me. Um, I'm a fledgling collector and compared to some of the guys I see on Facebook and on Instagram, there are guys who have five, 6,000 hats and like, it blows my mind. So yeah, I, I started collecting really maybe October, November. And I have a, I've had a pretty modest, but pretty, uh, pretty good collection. You see my Instagram. Uh, I'm proud of it, you know? So, um, yeah, man, it's just, um, let's be real. Last year was tough for everybody. Uh, and you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff from home, isolated from friends and not going out about. And, um, I just, you know, I think I, I, I found the website, uh, hatclub.com and I'm looking at it and some really nice hats, man. And I, you know, I bought one or two. Uh, I found out about the design collective where they, you know, these are non-team affiliated hats that, you know, these really original uh, creative designers were coming up with like mascots and, and different designs. And I was like, oh, these are nice. And then, you know, I kind of got into it a little more and more. And like February, the bug really bit me. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's a really cool community. Um, sports fans and non-sports uh, non fans alike are kind of co-mingling. And it's interesting to see a very interesting dynamic between the diehard baseball traditionalist fans and then like people like me uh an interloper i'm an ex-braves fan uh back i'm talking way back in the day i'm an old head dude i'm old uh but yeah <laughs> i was a braves fan back with i'm talking sid bream uh terry pendleton so okay. back then dude and uh i lost i kind of lost my love for following baseball while i was in the military i was overseas and stuff but um yeah baseball hats started catching me and uh yeah i'm, I'm deep I'm, I'm knee deep in the in the collecting now so there are a few things I want to uh, dive into a little bit in what you said just now. Um, mm -hmm. But but for first, before we do, can you describe like your personal style of hat? Like, what is a James style of hat where you see that listing and it's an immediate purchase? There's almost no like definitive style. I got all different colorways. Uh, I don't have a single team that I really like or dislike. So I, I got like I'm looking at my collection right now. I got Atlanta. I got a bunch of Rockies. I got. Oakland A's with the Stomper. I got the, you know, I got the Bears. So there's no definitive style. It's more for me about the logo and the color. Um, and it's, it's you no, know, I got some black and white. I have some just reg regular colors, and then I have some pretty wild ones. Uh, hat club dropped a Volt. It's an Oakland hat that's like a blaze red and uh, like voltage yellow, electric yellow, and it's a really cool looking hat. Um, so for me, it's more about just I know immediately if I see a hat, and I'm like. Oh, I gotta have that one. Or some of them, I yeah. see like you know, really popular hat that everybody's going for, and it's you know, it's real high, and I'm like, eh, I'm not a fan of that one. I'm good. So I don't know. It's it, it that's one thing about hat collecting. It's a very individual, individualistic thing. Um, 
So yeah, man, it's more for me about the logos and then the unique colorway. It's it is kind of interesting because you you talk about that that community versus that um, that individual style, the individual style that like uh, appeals to you, right? And that's something that kind of has caught my attention of the hat community um, in that there isn't necessarily one drop, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like one style, one cap that everyone is trying to get you know it feels like it's a it has a lot to do with your personal connection to the the style the the team whatever it is and there's been a lot of comparison to you know sneaker culture uh the, you know over the last decade or so and how fitted caps mm-hmm. are really coming into their own right now i'm i'm curious what you what you think about that that comparison and and just why why you think fitted caps in particular are really like popping off right now uh, it's a fascinating evolution I've seen in just the last few months. Like I said, I started collecting, it's been less than a year. Uh, I have a, I have 80 or 90 hats, right? And that sounds almost like a lot, but it's not that many compared to, like I said, a lot of these guys I see, I'm at the very low end for almost a year collecting. But again, the pandemic and everybody isolated, people were staying at home, couldn't go out. And I believe that that was a big reason, not only did collectors get together, but the like the industry kind of took off. Uh, that, that one side I was saying hat club, they started, they started doing like, you know, uh, I believe one of the guys came up with one of the first hats where they had the pink undervisor. And for some reason, people really caught like that, the pink UV really caught on. They were calling them pinkies and they kind of caught on. I remember when I first started collecting last, you know, last fall, a new hat would drop and it would take, you know, a day or two to sell out. Now within seconds, literally seconds, they're all gone. Um, and, and, it's it's fascinating because it has a lot of parallels with the hat community. I mean, the shoe community, like we were talking about, there is a, a, a growing burgeoning resale market. I'm talking two, three hundred dollars for, you know, I had the retails for forty five. Yeah, like this is this is a real thing that's happening, right? And it's like people are botting. You know, they're 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 running bots on the sites to get all the hats, and now the sites are running bot protection. Um, it's a thing, right? It's becoming a thing. It went from just a, a niche. You know, very small community thing where guys are like really like to to it. Some guys are trying to, you know, there's there's designers who are getting hired by lids and they're they're doing different colorways, crazy flips. Um, so it's it's been a, a warp speed evolution. I think brought on by the pandemic where people needed an outlet that was relatively cheap. You know, forty forty bucks for a hat's not bad. You know, it sounds like you know you buy enough of them, it's gonna be bad. But forty bucks versus <laughs> two hundred dollars sneakers. So, um, yeah, it's been fascinating watching it go from just like the diehard fans and then like a small niche of hat collectors to it's went mainstream. I think Complex did an article on them maybe in April about how hat collecting was growing. And since then, it's been like growing like, like wildfire. Yeah, I think that there is a little bit of a, you know, you've alluded to and joked about how baseball fans are kind of traditionalist and how they view hats. And they like the hats that have been on a field, basically, on a player's head. Yeah, on fields, um, yeah. But there has definitely been... Uh, a kind of jokey tension in the baseball community about like seeing some of these new era designs specifically coming out and people being like, this looks so bad. This looks so gaudy. This looks so busy. Can you kind of describe the difference between how people who only watch baseball or who are baseball fans that are not part of the hack community or fans or think of it as fashion like yourself and, you know, people who understand these trends a little bit better? So it's not even joking. I've had people been who've been very aggressive in how they 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 approach it, and they really feel kind of put upon, and they feel aggrieved that all these interlopers are stepping in on, on the baseball community. 
I've had people like uh, they said, uh, this guy was, and he was being dead serious. I laughed on, you know, I was online. Oh, it does a Facebook group all about New Era's Collectors Club, and they uh, people trade hats and sell hats. And he was like, "It's appropriation. People like you come in here." And, <laughs> oh and, and my he, god! I swear to God, he was. He was like, "This is like." He was like and I, the I laughed, irony was, of appropriating the word appropriation is just yes. too much for me. <laughs> when I, I did the little, like I did like LMAO, and I put like laugh, and he goes, "What's so funny?" I thought he was just being. <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, people like you come in and you appropriate. You don't even care about. The, you don't give a damn about the sport." You, you know, you don't care about the traditions. And honestly, wow. the reason I do watch, I don't give a damn about it. I, I really feel like the, unspo- the unwritten, quote unquote, unwritten rules of baseball are kind of kind of silly. And it should be a lot, a lot more fun and open, whatever. That's, you know. But um, yeah, there's definitely a, a schism. I think a lot of the traditional fans kind of begrudgingly just accept it. Um, there is a lot of old school people, especially when the hat, you know, the pink and the pastel colors come out. Um, they're, you know, they, you know, that's fruity. And, and that's just, you know, especially when they do non-traditional colors for teams, you know, that, that's just not right, you mm-hmm. know. And so there, there's definitely a, a, an old guard that tries to gatekeep a little bit, but the, the door has been kicked in. That, 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 uh, the tide has just kind of ran over that, that undercurrent that's tried to, you know, shake their fist and say, this isn't right, traditional. Because, I mean, you know, there's, there's casual baseball fans who just buy all kinds of teams, all kinds of colors. Um, there's a very, there's, there's a non-team oriented fan right because i said the design collectives they're not team affiliated at all they just have like the wild i just got a hat today that has a logo that's it's a part bear part uh moose part killer whale that's the logo because wow. it's some 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 it's and it's you know yeah, yeah it's, it's like a, it has like a maple leaf on it so it looks like it's canadian but it's it's, it's, a, it's a really nice hat it's black with a red underbill and it's, it's a really creative design 40 bucks i paid for it and so yeah there's, there's a there's a whole un, like a whole design side of it it's like creative stuff um so yeah that the traditionalists you know some of them kind of like you said some of them are joking some are some are dead serious and it it makes them livid that you know people are appropriating their their baseball culture but whatever what is it that you think and you know this is obviously speaking from your perspective but what is it about fitted caps in particular that is calling to this broad community of of often you know, young people um, who may have no connection to the sport of baseball, have no interest necessarily, or maybe were a fan in the past but grew out of it like yourself, um, but still see this as, you know, some form of expression or whatever. What what sense do you get that uh, why people are, are gravitating towards this sort of thing as a form of self-expression? Um, because it, it is a certain way to bring people together. Uh, like you said, uh, like, like when a, a certain drop comes, it's it's even though let's say they drop three hundred hats, that's not a lot of hats. A thousand people are going for them, so a little bit of exclusivity, and you kind of feel like part of the in crowd that you know this is happening. Um, I think a lot of people just like the style, you know, uh, the different colors and the different logos. It's like I have a, I have a lot of Marlins logo that are throwback logos to when they were the uh, no, the old school logo. Yeah, and like it's people a great say, logo. That, oh man, that's, and, and yeah, like that kind of. I have a couple of Expos hats. You know what I mean? The whole Expo logos. And it, it's just, it, you know, different uh, different colorways. So it's a form of expression. Obviously, you could, you know, it's a style thing that you, you can get ter- shirts and T-shirts and sweatshirts to match your hats and your sneakers. Especially, so it, it does go hand-in-hand in sneaker culture because a lot of these, a lot of these, especially younger guys who are hat collectors are also really much, really into sneakers. And they, you know, that's their thing. They got the color combos going. So it's it's, it's a style thing, the fashion thing. Um, and it, even among non-collectors, every day, you know, I put on a different hat and I go to work or go out and people will stop. Oh, what, where's that? What is that from? 
That's yeah. a really nice hat. So it's eye catching. Uh, it's conversation starter, you know. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's definitely something that that went from being a very niche kind of oh you're wearing a baseball hat you run out to the store to it's it's fashionable. You know, hip hop makes it fashionable. Um, I've seen a lot of rappers now they're doing they're going on TV and they they're rocking hats that people are trying to pick up from different sites and different and like so like I think they're actually working with the hat designers and the, the different companies. They're getting uh, Travis Scott has his own kind of hats. The Migos have their own like Atlanta Braves hats with with a little uh, peach on it. So it's 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 fashion, you know. It's mainstream fashion. So it's giving guys a, a kind of an inexpensive forty bucks isn't a lot to to yeah. way to look to look fly, and it makes them feel good. And again, they're chatting in the on Facebook groups. They're they're talking on Instagram. They're sharing. So like it's it's a community thing, you know. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's a kind of a small but growing community. Yeah, we we spoke also um, on this episode to someone who does work at Hat Club, Benjamin Christensen, and. Uh, he kind of talked about it as a wearable piece of art. And you're, you're so right in that. Like if someone is wearing a hat, you're probably making eye contact with them at first and you're automatically going to catch their hat. So I love the way you put that as a conversation starter. People bring up your hat all the time, but I, I want to dig so into I'm a little some- upset. You guys had Ben on here and you didn't have us on here together. Ben, <laughs> is actually, ben is actually a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Oh, is he really? Wow. Ben, uh, so it's funny. I was on Twitter. You know, I got, I got a lot of follows on Twitter. I used to be a writer and stuff. Me and Ben were talking basketball. I had no idea he was with Hat Club until I started talking to him about basketball, blah, blah, blah. And I used to have my other account and I saw that. So I've before the hat, I knew about the hat thing. I got in the hat community. Me and Ben is my homie. Okay. Well, so that, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram of these two conversations that we've been having, but it's a little serendipity. So maybe you could pass a message along from one half of the podcast to the other if you want. <laughs> I will, uh, but I'm also mad at you for not having me on with Ben. So screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh no Alex. we didn't know you he's were turned buddies. on us this is- he's turned on us um you are now the nemesis you're my enemies <laughs> james i wanted to ask you about something so uh, who do you think of who do you conceive of as someone who's like just recently coming along to this making a more of a hobby out of it in this past year since the pandemic who do you conceive of as like hat tastemakers is it like is it people like hat club is it the design- designers themselves is it more um like rappers and other pop cultural figures who do you think of as like Oh, that person likes this hat, so it's hot in the hat community. I, it's funny. It's easy to say rappers because yeah, rap. Like honestly, I just saw. Um, I see guys like even like Kemba Walker with fitted hat heads, and you'll see just you know pop up rappers. So you can say a guy like the Migos. Um, and sure, they're the big overall tastemakers. And I, I'm not being biased because Ben's my homie and has hat clothes where I kind of really started. But dude, they they they've been at the cutting edge. They start off with the pink UVs. They um. They do like they just did this whole drop called the Ox Pack, where they had hats that were uh, kind of themed after certain classic hip hop albums, and like people were going nuts for these hats. So Hat Club has definitely been at the kind of the forefront, but then there's also other sites too, uh, you know, that, that kind of pick up on what they do. So it's all about trying to be innovative without going over the line where people are like, oh, that's stupid. You tried too hard. Right. I think you saw, I don't know if you guys saw this lids or uh, MLB tried to do some kind of like city things where they were putting these patches all over this hatch for me yeah. to say. And they were just, they were ridiculous. Like they got laughed off the internet. And they pulled them off the site. I think it was at that point that we were like, all right, we got to do an episode about hats. Cause like everybody's talking about hats. Every day we wake up and someone else is talking about hats. So that, that was it's sort of very like the first line. The, the precursor to this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very thin line, right? Because you, you want to push the envelope. You want to be creative and have your stuff out there. Like uh, Hat Club did a whole thing called Sugar Shack. These pastel colored Easter looking hats. 
And it looked kind of weird on the site. But you start seeing all models and on people that are showing on their Instagram. They looked really good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they 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 sold the hell out. And now you get people on eBay selling those hats for three hundred dollars a piece, which is absurd. But people are buying them. So um, yeah, it's it's they have their in-house designers. Uh, I'm gonna shout out like like you said, Hat Club. They got the guy. Uh, his name is like T eight hundred John T John eight hundred, and another guy. Uh, you know. Whatever they got, their in-house designers that really are kind of pushing the envelope. That guy, they had a guy named Manolo Prado. I've never heard the name before. I thought this is some guy, someone on Facebook. He came out with a line of hats that went. They were selling. They they're on eBay for three hundred bucks now. And now he has a, a major like I think he has an ink to deal with like lids to design their hats. So like this is becoming a thing, and it's it's kind of it's really fascinating to watch. I came in the game a little late, so I watched it take off, and um, I have I have a like a kind of an outsider perspective because I haven't been doing this this long. So it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder how, like how far is it going to go? Yeah. I'm kind of curious what you, what you see is, is coming out. Like, is there anything that you want to see coming out of this culture? Like whether it's, whether it's designs, whether it's how it integrates itself elsewhere into pop culture, like how do you kind of see this evolving over the next year or two because it's obviously it's not a new um concept fitted caps, for sure but yeah. the, the trend the the fashion trend is really kind of novel just in the last couple of years honestly i have kind of a, a love-hate relationship with the fact it's becoming so popular even as a new guy myself so i sound hypocritical <laughs> because it's almost becoming inaccessible to the common guy yeah. because guys they're, they're getting the bots out there they're starting to get like uh, influencers are starting to get involved in it. So those TikTok guys and and uh, you know I'm, that's a, those TikTok kids or the hippity hoppity <laughs> are here. We are, are on know, our lawn, the yelling outside. <laughs> so and, and I, you know I like nice hats. I want to get nice hats, but I'm getting I can't get them because they hit the site and they're gone. But um, I also think ebb and flow. So I think it's probably a lot of these these guys who are into it right now are going to find something new in a couple, you know, a couple months, whatever. But it's, it's always going to be robust. People are into it. That's a good thing. Um, the only thing I, I really want out of it, I like the fact that the designers are always pushing the envelope. Don't always go back to the old stuff, yeah. right? Like when I first started, side patches have been a thing. And some people hate it. Traditionally, oh, I don't, this is really interesting side patches. I like the fact that they, they mess around with them. Um, they just did something called a beer pack where like they, they had hats modeled after brands of beer, which sounds ridiculous, but they actually look great. A couple sites mm-hmm. have done that. I like the fact that that the sites are competing with each other while pushing each other to be better. So they're trying to do different things, and uh, some of them are even kind of copying each other. But that's 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 what that's what artists do. You, you kind of take from other guys. So I can't say I I like the fact uh, when I first hit it, I was buying all kind of stuff. I'm becoming more discerning. So uh, now it's something that has to kind of catch my eye, and they're they're still doing it. You know, they're yeah. still doing it. Um, it's, it's just fun. It's fun. I want people to have fun with it. I hate when people, you know, it sucks that the common guy, you know, has to go on eBay and pay 150 for a hat. That's ridiculous. And I wish they can do it. But there's nothing you can do. That's what capitalism and free market does, right? So, yeah. How do we avoid this becoming the sneakers app experience for every single it's, person who wants to purchase something? Honestly, that's, that's again, I have, I, I, I'm in that, you know, that Facebook group has literally like maybe five, 6,000 people in it. And, you know, I don't really sit there and chat and chat room all day. I see it. And every day, people are just so distraught. Cause, like, I really wanted that. And I couldn't get it. I, I logged on. I, I saw that they're doing bot protection. I saw the capture. And while I was in line waiting to pay, you know, it's like a queue. They sold out under my nose. 
So yeah. it's it's heading down that road, and it sucks. I'm seeing people say, hey, man, I'm out of the hat game. I, it sucks. I can't get any of the nice hats I wanted. Everyone, the resellers are taking them. I, it, it, there's so much frustration along, among some of the OGs in the hat industry, and it sucks. It does. But this is kind of like, it's kind of life, and it's going to ebb and flow. And I think it's maybe these companies are going to start saying, well, we need to get in stock in the thousands, not the 800, because people want these hats. Yeah. Um, they're, they're doing, they're doing pre-orders. That's what, what I do want to see. A lot of sites are doing pre-orders, but they're showing the design and say, Hey, you have three days. Everyone order you want, you're going to give you guaranteed to get them. We're going to put in an order. That's really cool. And that's something that, you know, that, that I think that, uh, collectors and buyers really like. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's growing pains. I mean, it, it, when something gets popular at scale this fast, it's, it's really hard to like make that user experience perfect for everyone. Um, do you, do you only wear fitted caps? Do you wear snapbacks? Do you wear dad hats? Is it just fitted caps? That is that uh, like the don't only. Don't insult me by asking about a dad hat. I'm a grown <laughs> man. Um, uh, no, so I, I I do like to me fitted are the only way to go. Uh, one reason okay. is I got a giant head. I wear seven and three quarters, which listeners who don't know that's a really big head. If I wear a snapback, <laughs> it's like on the last two little things, and like they're wheezing trying to hold on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm a strictly fitted guy. Um. No, and strictly new era. Actually, I, I, I tried a couple other companies when I first started buying them. And they just don't seem right. Don't feel right. So, um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a snob that way. But uh, yeah, <laughs> just fit it. Is there is there a particular um, design or logo or something that like you really gravitate toward? Like even in your collection, uh, is there is the one where you're like, I'm just like running out and I just need to throw something on my head. Like this is um, this is my one or this is my two. Your daily driver. I don't. I don't have one of those. I, that's part part of my love for my collection and why I'm going to keep it around eighty or ninety. I have them displayed in a certain way, so all of them are on display. I don't have hatches stashed somewhere. And uh-huh. so when I first started, I don't know if you guys heard, it's called the LSD Tiger. So the Detroit has an alternative swinging tiger one, right? It's mm-hmm. Like a little cartoon tiger with the bat. He's swinging. He looks like he's he's out of his mind off drugs. That caught my eye, and I got ten of those. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Cardinal bird logos, so I got the Cardinals, like two on the bat, single one on the bat, the one swinging the bat. I like the Cardinal logos, um, and I got a few Marlins hats and a few of the Stomper, right? The Oakland A's, where's the elephant head with the two bats crossed? I got a couple of those, but mostly it's the, the swinging tiger. That it's something about that just caught me. Um, but other than that, man, I got I'm all over the place lately. I got a couple of the Arizona. Snakehead, where it's holding the ball in the mouth. Those are really dope logos. Got a couple of those. So it's all about the logo, man. Question for you, James, specifically about baseball. I know you're not much of a baseball fan anymore, but okay. do you think that, like, do you think that a team being young and trendy can drive hat logo sales specifically? Or do you Abs- think it really is just logos? It's, I think if a team came out and they had a night where they put on a, a like a, a cutting edge new colorway or uh, an alternative logo, like an alternate logo from back in the back in the day, like say Detroit came out with it, it would blow the lid off of the hat game. I think you know it would really go mainstream. Um, so yeah, I definitely think you know um, like these connects the connect jerseys and hats that came out lately, right? That's been mm-hmm. a kind of hot but a hot thing mm-hmm. because if they look good, people are all over them. Then they like they the, then teams like Arizona come out that looks like you know they just made out of MS paint in, in thirty minutes. So. Um, I do everything a forward thinking team for the creative uh, marketing department to really cash in on this by, you know, some of these alternative hats saying, okay, well, we got it. We can get a Jersey out that night and we'll be able to prove it and we'll, we'll rock one of these other hats. Yeah. That'd be really I, cool. I think of a team like the Padres specifically, where there's like a lot of young, fun guys, like if they were 
they're like hot among baseball fans. Like baseball fans love tuning into them. But I'm just curious as to like, does it matter that Fernando Tatis is really fun to watch? Like, does that could that drive hat sales? I I, I don't know. I'm not sure. And you you guys can tell me that because I know that's <laughs> one thing about baseball is that like a lot of these hot like great baseball players you go out by on the street and they're just not known because it's yeah. baseball is just not like basketball where it's five guys on the court. They put this guy in the face of the franchise, the face of the league. And like, you're like, Oh crap. That's, you know, that's Kevin Durant. And plus he's seven foot tall. So it's a little different. Um, well, baseball, I've heard of these names, these guys, and you just don't see them on TV. You just, you see him hitting a home run, but that's, you know, that's from, you know, you're 80 feet away and you see a guy swing in the back. So it's not quite the same, but maybe you would think baseball would take advantage of the fact that they have these, young kind of flashy guys, you know, maybe breaking the, the old stodgy image of baseball because they need to. That's, I think a lot of people turn away from baseball because it has this, this kind of traditionalist old school feel and people don't want that. They, no, this is, this is just, we're in 2021. People want to have fun and be out there. But, but James, they would, they would alienate all the stodgy traditionalists and where it's, would, the, where would they go then? Come on. They would go, they would go to bed early and have the buffet special like they should because <laughs> they're like 80. It's funny, every time I see a tweet where like a guy does something like he knocks a home run and then he like, you know, he takes an extra second look at it, right? And he's showing up the pitcher, and then there's always some guy, this is a disgrace to the game. He needs to get drilled next time he's up there. And I'm just like, oh, he literally sat there for two seconds and watched the ball fly. You know, yeah. the pitcher strikes the guy out and does like a backflip and that's not a big deal. The pitcher I has know. histrionics. When, but the batter hits it and like flips his bat a little aggressively and I'm seeing these, you know, 80-year-old sports writers tweeting like the guy deserves a death penalty. So it's it's such a strange, strange thing that as a non-fan, the, the hills that they choose to die on. It's just a series of contradictions, man. It's like, it doesn't really make any sense. You don't know which way is up. If one guy is mad, then then people support him being mad. That's just the tradition of baseball. And, you know, we're trying to cut into that a little bit every week on the show. So you're in the right place for sharing a take like that. And I'm going to make sure I tune into you guys from now on. Because you guys <laughs> obviously... No, I, I appreciate you having me on. You know, I just just met home the other day. So, I mean, you guys obviously... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you've made a fan. I'm, I'll, I'll be in there. Well, James, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. We really, we really uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Um, before we let you go, is there is there anything you want to plug? Is there like an IG handle where people can see all of your your latest like hat cops? Like, where can people uh, find yeah, you? Yeah, man, you guys could follow me on Twitter. It's at Snotty Drippin, which is an homage to the great Scotty Pippen. So it's not Snotty with the Y, it's Snotty with the I E. Um, and then it's not dripping with the ing. It's just me at the end. And then, yeah, I got a. I did make an Instagram just like in February or March for all my hats. Basically, uh, it's I think it's what lids underscore n underscore kicks. Even though there's like one pair of kicks on there and all the rest is hats. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. If you get if you find me, you find me, and all I do is post like every, the hat I wear every day and like the matching T-shirt because that's another unintended consequence i had to buy a t-shirt to match every hat so yeah I have right a you gotta complete like the outfit honestly I, I can't just go out with a fly hat and a whack t-shirt so i got like 100 t-shirts in my closet um which is pretty excessive so i need to get a life um <laughs> but yeah basically come on twitter i talk basketball still and 
you know, I, I love to just to go back and forth, talk whatever topics today, and I will start talking baseball because you motherfucking got me into it. <laughs> That's good to hear, man. Uh, thanks so much for your time, James. This is awesome. Nah, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for listening to me ramble. Appreciate you. That's a double edge, just a knife, knife. And I don't like to fight till I'm fighting, fighting. Revenge in the air makes my lungs sick. Chopping in the sky like a gun trick. Clips on clips like Mike. It's really all. See both sides like Chanel. See on right. both That was wonderful. Like Thank you to both Benjamin and James for joining us. My, my head is already brimming with ideas for no. our next cap collection. I, I Come on. That wasn't, that wasn't even. You what? didn't intend that pun? Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. I'll see myself out here. Tipping pitches, more like tipping caps. <laughs> that was arguably a million times worse. I feel really v- vindicated that, yeah, like neither of them really seemed to enjoy some of the caps that New Era were dropping. Like both admitted that like there's some really trash stuff out there, which is nice because I think that we as fans tend to paint really broad strokes and say, no, new era is fucking with the, you know, the originals. Like what was wrong with just a classic A's hat? You know, why did you need to turn the logo upside down? And it's like, well, there are, there are people behind these designs who actually know that there are people out there who are going to buy these things. Yeah. And that's that's valuable to us. The real evolution that when I'll believe that we've that hats have gotten as the biggest sneakers is when people are like, no, actually the gaudiest, ugliest designs are cool. Yeah. That will be the day that New Era starts being the cool trend for like TikTok people. I think well, we're, I mean, we're we're there, right? I, I, I should say the day that the new era, you know, city designs that were clowned. Are okay, like suddenly okay. a collector's item. I I know that New Era makes a lot of the hats that you know, like places like Hat Club design. I don't mean to. I meant the specific version of New Era caps that a tipping pitches listener is thinking when I bring this up. You know, the ones that everybody <laughs> is making fun of and memeing on Twitter. I can't say personally that I ever foresee myself either ironically or unironically wearing wearing a cap, wearing an Ace cap that has like a a palm tree on it. And says the bay on the side. <laughs> I mean, really grasping at straws here, guys. But I, I am looking forward to the day where Cap Twitter fitted Cap Twitter finds out about our hat that we're selling and just roasts us to to all hell because that would frankly be the be best the publicity that that we would need. No, this could be the day right here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We are yet to find out. We're just going to put this podcast out in the ether. Um, we appreciate you listening. If you're listening this late in the show, you probably know that we put out new designs. But just a reminder, tiny.cc backslash nationalize. A couple of new, new unionized the minor shirts, like we've talked about a couple times now. A no billionaires in baseball. Ball cap. Um, you can use promo code AROD or promo code JLO to get 15% off your purchase. Um, I've thought a lot about next promo codes. I think we should diverge from the whole like celebrity magazine cover or, or counterpoint. We should lean further in and the next one should be like Benifer. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not giving that man airtime on this, okay, on this fine. podcast. No, I, whoever fair. makes JLo happy. I'm, I'm happy for her. 
but I don't, promo I don't, code. I don't need a respect. Angelina. Yeah. App. All right. There you go. <laughs> I'm here for it. Billy Bob Thornton. Promo code free Britney. Actually. Um, okay. Well, we're talking about Britney Spears, so that's a good indication to end this baseball podcast. Uh, anything else that you want to remind people of, Alex? No, but if you enjoyed this pod, if you enjoy our podcast in general, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a loved one. And uh, and if you really love tell, it, tell an enemy, you know, an maybe enemy. your enemy will like our show as well. Exactly. We like we like we have always said, we're Big Ten podcast. We're the podcast for the people. <laughs> exactly. Feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you have gripes, if you have favorite cap designs, anything that we missed on this podcast, please hit us up at tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, tipping pitches pod at gmail.com. You know where to find us. You can even call and voice those concerns out loud. 785-422-5881. That is forever the number of our voicemail. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with super duper cold reactions to the trade deadline a week and a half late next week. My pocket's snug. They can't hold my seven. They pay my visa. My Amex and MasterCards. I got... Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!